I'm three quarters into my prayer walk. It's 1025 and I'm feeling overwhelmed about lost people, thinking a lot about my family members and people that don't know the Lord and how stupid my life looks to them. How much of a, you know, idiot I look like because I live my life and it hasn't been so long that I forget how easy it is to live life apart from God and directed by yourself and have your eyes fixed on your own agenda and everything down here. I'm just learning more and more that if God doesn't open your eyes, you're doomed. And I was also praying for Bill Johnson and Chris Vallotton and I started praying that God would open their eyes to truth and not use them. And as I'm praying, I feel like He's using them as a test and I, that leads to, well, Lord, please bless the people that are there. Help open their eyes so that they pass the test. And that led to the next thought. But people are given over to that by God when they seek experience rather than obeying God, His heart. And this is a theme that's been coming up in my heart for quite a bit. And that is all these charismatics are sucked into the idea of experience chasing. Get the power, get the experience, get the prophecy, get the word of knowledge, get the healing, get the manifestation, get the thing, get the encounter. It's all about seeking an encounter. It's backwards. There's no doubt in my mind that that Satan is, is absolutely thrilled to pieces that people are out seeking an experience and he's more than happy to provide experiences extraordinary for people. And they get hooked and they think, oh, I went looking for a godly experience. I had one and now they're hooked. At the end of the day, you have to always ask, does that experience make you feel better about you or better about God? Does the experience make you want to chase more experience or does it make you want to be more obedient? And I think that the counterfeit experiences make you focus on you and not God. And they make you focus on chasing more experiences rather than obeying the simple teachings of Christ. I think to myself, when is the last time you heard do not resist an evil person taught in a charismatic church? When is the last time you heard that, that, that kind of thing taught to somebody? You know, when is the last time you've heard, you know, do not take the position of um, greater honor when you enter a banquet feast, but take the position of least? When, when have you heard, unless you become like little children? I mean, I'm sure that's preached, but that's for the idea of seeing faith. Anyhow, my point is, I'm getting tired walking up this hill, but my point is that people need to be taught, they need to chase obedience to God's Word. They need to chase obedience to God's Word out of a love, a heart of love for Him, and experiences will follow. If you chase experiences, I guarantee you some will show up. Problem is, is they're not usually from God, and that's scary. You can get hooked into it. I... It had a situation the other night where, you know, my my mom comes home from, of all places, Low Mill and says, Oh, so-and-so had an experience tonight. And something really cool happened. And this so-and-so is incidentally a, a grievous false prophet who has, whose own mouth has rebuked herself for doing this. But she, you know, runs around and she's very high, strong and always chasing stuff and just she's not living a life that I would consider to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. She's a typical charismatic junkie. She has said very, very false prophetic things to me, saying even I was going to go to jail. God told me you were going to jail. I mean, just crazy stuff. This was six, eight months ago and telling me that God has already shown her her husband and she knows what he looks like. And, and then, of course, now she started dating and she finds this guy on his website and just just typical charismatic stuff. And um, not willing to wait. She's headed down a bad road. And then she apparently has this experience with a woman, an encounter with a woman who's from the Perry Stone camp who goes around praying for certain things. And the lady went up and bought a uh, a Jewish mite and said, I, God told me to buy this for somebody and gave it to her. And I, I look at all this. She ended up giving it to And of course, she's a widow and, and they all want to make a big stink out of, oh, look at this. This is so cool. I immediately think I could see how Satan could actually be the one organizing that. I could see how Satan is the one who knows that he is a experienced hunter. I could see how Satan is the one who knows he is a, uh, I shouldn't be using her name, but that she's a widow and that she's given to not thinking with a mind of discretion. I mean, man, people just buy into this stuff. 
she, she just does things and doesn't really think about them. She's admitted to me multiple times that she's got, she talks openly about things that she shouldn't talk about. She hungers for things that she shouldn't hunger for. And I hear this, oh, this great experience. You know, God did this thing. And I go, God's not the only one that can do experiences. And what, at the end of the day, what does that experience do for you? What does it make you do? It makes you chase another experience. Does it make you want to go, gosh, I want to go read your word. I want to give sacrificially, Lord. I want to watch very carefully what comes out of my mouth. I want to live in fear of you, God. I want to turn the other cheek and not resist the evil person. I want to have faith. I want to learn to be content. Does it say those things? No, it doesn't. It has the exact opposite effect. And I think people have got to be so careful about, you know, having these experiences and questioning them. And charismatics don't. If they have an experience, they're like, wow, that's great. Never questioning, hmm, there's a devil at work. I wonder if this could be any way and shape and form involved by him. You know, and I just, I, of course, if I said this, then I would be such a, a negomaniac. And yet it just frustrates me to heck now that my eyes have been opened to see how people just live by the seat of their spiritual pants. It's crazy. The other thought I want to add is, is if you're a Christian who knows you're not living like you should and that there's areas of your character like talking too much about sex, desiring it too much, being promiscuous in the way you kind of dress, um, being flirtatious in the way you are around other people, if you have those things in you and you know that they are in need of change and then you begin to have experiences that make you feel so ooga booga that God is with you. Could could you not see that that's being used as a deception to make you think you're okay right where you're at? If you're left without an experience, you may say, mm, "Man, something's not going right in my life. I maybe I need to get rid of that sin after all, and maybe I need to stop sinning before something worse happens." As Jesus said, maybe I need to pull out that eye, whatever it is, deal drastically with that sin. But no, Satan's right there willing to give you this counterfeit experience so that you keep going thinking, wow, God is with me. Everything's cool. I don't need to change. God's good with me. He's graceful. I see that is absolutely the case of what's going on. Not only that, but this lady said to this, this friend I was just talking about, your Boaz has come. Well, that's exactly what this lady wants to hear. How does that line up with what... To me, I'd look at that and go, hmm, I'd, I'd think based upon what I see in this person's character, I think that's Satan trying to seal a deal that's anything but of God, trying to make an alliance that is not by God's Spirit. I mean, I could be absolutely wrong. It's not me to know. It's not me to judge. It's me to say, are you taking the time to discern? Are you taking the time to train yourself to distinguish between good from evil and do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits? And I just, I haven't gotten to the bottom of being able to know exactly how I want to explain this, but these are some good thoughts on when you have an experience, does it make you revere and fear the Lord more and, uh, and worship Him? Or does it make you just excited that He gave you a piece of candy and now you want more candy? I just realized the awesomeness of God's of one of God's promises that says, Those who fear the Lord, the man who fears the Lord, God makes even his enemies live at peace with him. And I remember thinking to myself, Wow, Lord, I haven't seen that happen. And all of a sudden today I'm praying and I realize, No, that absolutely has happened. I had this vision of Israel living in an area where they're enemies. They're still enemies, so if they get together and see each other, there's going to be that antagonism or whatever, but they're able to live with them in peace, relative peace. And I started thinking to myself, God has given me peace from my enemy. My enemy my, is her father and mother. And even though they, they hate my guts and think I'm absolutely one of the most rotten humans and unbelievers they've ever met, and they tell my kids all these horrible things, I don't experience hardly any of that. I'm living at peace with my enemy. I mean, and they are still my enemy. And, but yet God has given me this open, spacious place for my feet to stand in. And I'm at peace with them. They're not affecting me. He never sends me emails unless it's just a response to something I've said. Or like, you know, trying to tell me about school stuff. Uh, you know, not being able to see Tyler for the summer or whatever. She'll send me something like that. But other than that, I'm realizing God has given me that promise. That's amazing. This is a pretty interesting situation. About three days ago, I did a 10-minute recording to... And it was in regards to trying to have reconciliation with her over the fact that the last time 
she has this thing where when I'm around and she doesn't like what I'm saying, she starts looking at the ground or she'll get up and walk out of the room. And I was venting to me about my frustrations with a friend of mine and she didn't like what I was saying, so she got up and left the room. So I sent her this really nice email saying, look, I've, I've known you for, I guess, close to two years now, and I've, I've seen that this happens quite often with me. And If this is me, I want to apologize for whatever's causing you to do this, but if this pattern's in your life with other people, maybe, maybe you know, something you should take a look at. And it was just a real gentle message of, I love you, I want to reconcile, and I don't feel like I can be honest when I'm around you guys anymore because you judge what I'm saying. And I have friends that don't judge what I say and those are the ones I feel comfortable sharing with. So I sent her, made this real nice long message. It was very sweet, much sweeter than what I just made it sound like. I was very careful how I said it. I must have spent an hour trying to get that thing to upload to Vimeo. It would get 60% done and it would stop. I couldn't get it to work with YouTube. And finally, I'm just after the third try, I'm like, maybe the Lord is not wanting me to get this up. Maybe there's a reason. So I didn't get it up. Then my mom comes in from church today, says, oh, we're having company tonight for dinner too. And and Dwayne and Della, these are, they're all a real tight couple now. They're all real chummy, chummy, buddy, buddy with everybody. And they're all a remnant left from the rock. I got them all connected to each other. And now there's this weird cut the air kind of feeling between all of us because I left the church and I think that they are deceived by staying. And I don't get in their business. I've made it clear why I left. And, um, you know, so... It's just that that ugly tension now of, of going to have to have dinner with, not with Dwayne and Della. I mean, I don't know that they're going to say anything at all, but just with me not having had the opportunity now to reconcile with I see this as this could potentially be where they all try to come at me tonight. And I'm not going to sit here and make that up in my mind and worry about it. But I did see a 10-10 today and I was, while I was on the trail. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder what that's about. So I'm just in this instance, I'm saying, okay, Lord, protect my heart. How would you want me to respond? And I'm, I'm actually asking him to get me out of it. I'm already saying, Lord, can you get me out of the conversation? Because if people want to stay stubborn where they're at and they want to continue to go to a church where there's a false prophet and their, their eyes are so blinded to what's going on in the church, then I have nothing for them except for an argument because they don't see it the way I see it. And I see it very differently, and I believe that I'm seeing the truth right, and I believe you're not. And so anything you and I are going to talk about, I'm not going to come to your side of the table. I made a decision so much so that I left the church over it. I'm not coming to your side. I believe you're wrong for staying there. I believe you need to pray and ask Father to open your eyes about seeing some things. And if you're humble enough to do that, great. If not, then then I would respectfully ask that you leave my position alone. Don't try to convert me to my, your way of thinking. I'm not trying to convert you to, to my way. I simply have shared with you, I've left. So, and here's why. So anyhow, there is this caution that I have to be careful about underneath of all of this. I want to make sure that I am respectful, that whatever I do is done in love, truth and love, and I have a difficult time just saying things in a normal tone of voice. I always have a tendency to put emphasis behind it, uh, voice inflection, passion, and that can sometimes set people on defense. I need to learn how I think, but at the same time, I, I can't shrink back from my convictions. I mean, it's really difficult to say, well, you know, you think this and I think that and it's all okay. That's just not me. I'm not, I don't think I'm ever going to be a person like that. I don't know. I'm not terribly upset about it. I, I trust the Father, and maybe this is an opportunity for my faith to be tested and for me for Him to test my character. And I just have to have discernment and discretion over, you know, what is this? What's how does the Father want me to respond? Does He want me to engage and share truth, or does He want me to just the direction going against, you know? Because I think they're all deceived. Clearly, my mother is deceived. I don't know Jesus' hearts that much, but I know that they're deceived in many things. They still chase the world of everything counseling you know this dr neil t anderson guy that you know they put so much on a pedestal they always accuse me of doing that with john MacArthur. it's funny they're a one-man band themselves they can't see that and the fact that they do little things like you know shutting her eyes down and walking out of the room there's something not right with that and the fact that she's the one that's putting all this pressure on to you know fight a legal battle against his ex-wife when the word is really clear. It says, if somebody takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. So I feel like there's deception and I feel like is being led down even more deception and 
This is just one of the sweetest ladies when you are just engaging with her on one-on-one, -on -one, but when you get talking about serious stuff, she can quickly become her own like little truth police. And I just don't have the... It's not, it's not wise to engage in those ways where people's eyes have been blinded. And I don't, I'm not going to be the one that's going to open them. You know, so it's one of those things where you have to ask yourself, what do you do? Do you do you engage and potentially cause friction? Or do you just leave everything superficial and not talk about anything that really matters? And just kind of redirect the conversation back to shallow things that nobody will divide over. And I feel like I've done that pretty well with my parents most of the time. So anyhow, those are just the, the thoughts. And find it very interesting that... I wasn't able to send that video that day. It makes me wonder if was it was it you know Satan doing that or God? And I know God's in control and I felt peace about all right, whatever, maybe it'll be it'll happen at another time. And now they're coming over tonight. Very interesting. I have to be very, very cautious and not let the enemy get in this. Just need to overcome evil with good. As soon as I finished making that last recording, I looked up and there was a billboard in front of me, 1010. And now I've seen 1111 twice on my way, actually in the last uh, less than an hour. 1111 on the clock when I was leaving the house and then a car just pulled right in front of me and slowed down 1111. So I'm trying to pay attention to what's going on and wondering what that means. I'm not real sure, but I'm sure if I stick around and just be cautious. Times like this, I just know the Lord is telling me, be careful, be cautious. It's funny because I thought about snakes this morning. It's really bizarre. Wow, this is really weird. I was thinking about rattlesnakes this morning on the trail, and I thought I heard something at one point, and I realized, no, they don't They don't let you know they're there. They try to not draw attention to themselves until they feel absolutely threatened, and then they send off their, you know, their rattler. I was thinking about that trail, that snake that I came upon, and it's interesting that 1111 is Luke 1111. Which of you sons... Which of you fathers, if his son asks for a fish, would give him a snake? I was just on the trail this morning thinking about the snakes. And now God has shown me this scripture about snakes twice today. Hmm. I also saw 1144 reminding me not to depend upon my flesh, but depend upon God. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5 through 8. Hmm, very interesting. I'm sure something will happen so awesome thinking about God communicating to me like this. I mean, I, there's something new about me not having to just try to figure it out and me not making such a big deal out of the fact that God is speaking. Just literally settling into the relationship with Him and just going, okay, Lord, I'm watching. All right, Lord, I'm, I'm doing that. Okay. And just being so unbelievably thankful that God guides me like this. For four years now, God's been doing this. It's incredible. And it's my prayer that nobody ever gets caught up in how God uses the method he uses with me because I'm probably more distractible, more easily distracted, and God has figured out a way to get me to pay attention, and he's able to guide and direct my steps with his word every day, just like it says in his word. You know, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will make your paths straight. Your, your word is a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. Guide me by your word. I wait for your word. I mean, just so awesome. God is so awesome. Uh, it's 9 o'clock on April 20th, 2014. The party tonight went incredible. God was so faithful. It went um, smooth. Everybody, was. it was just wonderful. Everybody got along really well, and there was no funny business. It just, it went really, it was so blessing to see God do that. And then, now I'm sitting back down, finishing reading the word in step with God, or the, the book. And it just blows my mind how much of what Charles Stanley has experienced is exactly what I have experienced, meaning that he, he knows the same God that I do. <clears throat> and I read these words that says, We need to know that when we've made the right choice, taken the right step, said no to sin, or chosen to follow a path that our friends would not have taken, God is pleased and honored by our actions. His encouragement, I circled these two words, keeps us moving forward when we are tempted to look at the rising waves or shrink back in fear when the winds of adversity begin to blow. And I just am floored by how true that is as I think of all the times God has shown me numbers or spoken to me and encouraged me when I was ready to quit. I ask him to refresh me and he does. I am here three years on the other side of moving into this house, still having had circumstances that haven't changed at all. If anything, they've gotten worse. And God has so absolutely encouraged me. I mean, it's incredible. I cannot take any credit for it. It's such a good, 
amazing reminder to see these words written that I'm going to, I can say yes. I mean, even when I was trying to quit on Laura, God gave me the dream. And then, you know, he would show me the numbers. I mean, he has so encouraged me so many things. It's just incredible. Just incredible. It's 1034 on April 21st, 2014. And this is a message where I feel like saying, I don't know whose timing is better, God's or Satan's. And of course, I know the answer to that question, but I am just, I'm struck in this moment as I think about all the times that over the last three years where I'm in a, a seriously difficult set of circumstances, trusting God, and right behind some moment of encouragement, the enemy will try to come in and flatten that. It's unbelievably encouraging to have read just this very thing this morning. I've been reading the timing, uh, timing is right, or his timing is right chapter in in Step with God by Charles Stanley. I was so encouraged and smiling so much through this whole thing as it talks about how so many people don't want to wait for God. They want to manipulate the circumstances and that your greatest blessings, God's greatest favor, God's greatest provision comes to those who have faith enough to wait. And that many times God will ask us to do things that make no human sense, have no logic whatsoever. We have to be very careful about taking advice from other people around us because they're thinking with human reasoning. They don't know God's will for you. And it's just on and on all these amazingly encouraging stuff that God's just been teaching me now for months. And really, I'd say for the last couple of years. But the amazing thing is, is that while I was reading these words this morning, I was hearing in my, my mind all the times that, you know, my mom has questioned this. And then I had this vision of this video I just made called Fools of Faith, which I'm changing to Strong in Faith, where there's a line where this guy runs up to Moses and says, you fool, if he, hasn't, if he didn't listen to you when you were six feet away from him, what do you think is going to make him listen to you now? What makes you think he's going to listen to you now? Something like that. And Moses turns around and looks at the guy and says, you will see. And I saw myself saying that to my mom while I was reading this this morning one day. She comes up to me as I'm packing. She goes, hey, are you headed out? Incidentally, there's a 777 right there. Wow. <laughs> wow, God, it's so good. While I am packing up, she goes, just to go out today, she goes, she goes, are you headed out? And I said, yeah. She goes, man, son, you got only, you only got like four weeks left. You, you got any plans? And I'm like, yep, waiting on the Lord. And she's like, you know, I just hate to see, you know, you get thrown out and four weeks come. I said, I got a place to go in case of an emergency. I said, I'm just waiting and trusting on the Lord. I said, you know, everything's good. And she said, you know, you've, you've missed, you've missed a lot of opportunities for employment that he's provided you. And I said, nope, I've made sure to pay attention to every opportunity to wait. She just walked away and said, I don't think so. And I said, you will see my mom, you will see. I said it to her. I said, you'll see. I didn't say it derogatory. It's just, it's incredible to see what I read in a book and think about actually happen real time. And I have so many journal episodes of this happening where Charles Stanley will say how often the enemy will try to come to you and get you to doubt what God has just told you or the encouragement or the encounter or the word. And I'm choosing to refuse that. I am choosing to believe God. I am filled to faith with like I haven't been filled to in a long time. I feel like God and I'm also realizing that it is God. I see that, that Charles Stanley has seen this in his own life and in the lives of other people that God is the one who encourages us when we're down. He knows what we're thinking. He knows how to encourage us our job is to pay attention and to respond in faith. But I think back to all the time I've been ready to fall off the rocker and God lifts me up. There's an email, there's an encouraging word, there's a number. God primarily uses these numbers and his word to encourage me more than he does people or anything else at this season of my life. And it's so special to me because there is no doubt that it's him. It's not a coincidence. It's purely from him. And he just has told me so many times, persevere persevere, have faith in God, do not be afraid, trust me, keep your eyes on me, hold firmly to the face you profess, whoever trusts in me will never be put to shame, and so it's just so awesome, I mean, I'm filled with hope because I have my eyes on heavenly things, I'm sitting here looking at this growing skin cancer thing on my arm going, man, you know, who knows, this could be like a, a skin cancer that's going to take me out, maybe God is going to, you know, have me get all these videos in the can, for all I know, and then take me out of here so he can have the videos 
do their thing without my pride getting, you know, in the way or, or whatever. I mean, I'm not saying God has said that to me. I'm just saying I trust God no matter what the circumstances are in every area. I'm learning to just keep my eyes on Him. And I have this hope, my heavenly hope, that right now my circumstances are terrible. It's a month. I'm supposed to be moving out. I have no money. I don't know when my how I'm going to be able to get my kids to come down here. My kids are supposed to be coming here just as I'm moving out. Where am I going to take them? I mean, there's so much uncertainty, and I am filled with faith for my father. And I know there'll be moments where it's going to be hard in a day or two, and I'll start looking back at the circumstances, but almost... A hundred percent for the last couple of weeks, it seems like God has just been supernaturally helping me to keep my eyes on Him. And when people might say, no, but you need to put your eyes on the circumstances to fix them. No, you don't. Especially if God's told you otherwise. If it's a petty thing and your shoe's untied, you need to stop and untie it. Don't wait for the Lord to tie it for you. But when it's a matter of life decisions, purpose, circumstances, some major decision and God has told you to wait, you can wait in spite of the circumstances. You don't have to worry. Gosh, it takes us so stinking long to figure this out. It's horrendous. It's horrendous as I look back on how long, how much time and energy I could have saved from not worrying about things. But you don't know until you see God's faithfulness over and over and over again. And I know that I'm going to see God's faithfulness. This morning, my prayer before my mom ever even said anything was, it's interesting, God protect my heart from pride that wants to say, see, I told you so. I'm already praying because I know that God is going to do something so awesome. Just like the walls of Jericho had already fallen, the Israelites didn't know it. When God says, God does. When God promises, it is. And so I already believe God. And so I am just so filled with faith to trust Him and just having some just very encouraging things happen. I've got another email this morning, a devotional about how the need to um, understand that God loves you and you continue to persevere even when all this hard work you're doing doesn't seem to be amounting to anything. Know that He sees it and I'm thinking that applies to my ministry efforts. I'm putting in all this effort and I'm not seeing very much results. Not the kind I would think. And I just know that I'm trusting God with that. He's wanting to see if I'm still willing to work for hard um, in faith for Him, knowing He's pleased rather than men are being pleased. And I'm not putting my eyes on the outcome. I'm being obedient. And I just, oh, I just love Him so much. I'm just so thankful to be learning this. And now my prayer is that God will just continue to protect me and that when this, these things do come through, I can say, I begged you to trust God. I begged you to believe God. And now I beg you to learn this lesson again and turn from your hardness of heart and trust God and not try to make myself look like the one that's right. Because, you know, when so many people stand against you, even my own best friend, his wife saying they don't believe, or particularly his, his wife saying they don't believe God is speaking to me, that I'm deceived. You know, when they see that God comes through, there's that part of you that so bad wants to go, I, see, I told you so, you called me an idiot. But, you you know, my mom saying, I'm, do I have a demon? Am I mentally possessed or uh, mentally ill? I mean, just unbelievable stuff. There is no other explanation for the hope that I have other than my father continues to bless and encourage me. It's incredible. He continues to steadfastly show me, memorize the Christ. It is a, It has been the biggest intimidator in my life over the last six months is that is the number one thing God is telling me. He's not telling me, do this, and then Michael, I'm going to take care of this. He's not telling me almost any details. He's just telling me, finish what I started. There's a man walking with his Bible. I bet you that man knows his Lord right there. Just a little old man walking up the street in his suit. No telling where he's going. But I tell you what. And it looked like he might have even been praying. How about that? That old man, he may be walking door to door trying to tell people about the Lord. Ain't no telling. And you know, the funny thing is, is I would look at a guy like that walking up on knocking on people's doors and you might think man this guy there must be something wrong with him that he would would go and do something like that and see you know when God gives you the faith and the call to do something it's unexplainable in human terms it doesn't make any sense so anyhow I am just 
I know there'll be some some stuff that happened behind this, but I'm going to just keep on pushing through and trusting God. And God is teaching me his ways. I'm learning his ways over time, not by a book. When I'm reading these things in Charles Stanley's book, I'm able to go, wow, that's exactly what happened to me. Wow, that's exactly what that person said to me. Wow, that's exactly how I felt. Wow, that's exactly what God did for me. It's unbelievably exciting to read in the book of a man you've never met, who's 80 years old, who's lived and walked with God, saying, this is how God works. And here's scriptural evidence. And here's evidence from my own life. And to see that my life is lining up with that is amazing. Because nobody, very few people believe me. And there's not hardly anybody I've been able to tell the whole story about what I'm going through and what God's asking me to do. But God is going to deliver me and it's going to be absolutely awesome. It it, it will be another major thing. Incredible. Incredible. God is to be praised. Michael Commentary. In this very next clip, you're going to hear me mention a woman comes into the Starbucks and talks to me. And I bleep out her name. But this is the woman that I fell into sexual sin with who actually attacked me. This is that millionaire, successful businesswoman um, who claimed to be a Christian who wanted to be in a relationship with me. And I have had to distance myself very much from her at this time in the story. And here she comes. And this is going to happen more than once. End of commentary. It's 11.33. I'm sitting at Starbucks. And yesterday... I saw 11-11 three times in one day, and I couldn't figure out why. And I just was like, all right, Lord, I know something will happen. I have not seen in months, in months. She literally just walks in, and she stops and talks to me. I was hoping she would just walk right past. She's, hey, how you doing? And she stood there, and she talks like as if nothing ever happened. It's so bizarre. The next thing I know, I had to say, all right. I got some work I got to get done. I'll talk to you later. And I had to blow her off. She's sitting right. She's actually just now pulling out of the parking lot right now. Just leaving Starbucks on uh, April 21st, 2014. Such a really exciting. Actually, just passed a sign, 2102. That's 212 if you take out the zero. Just got done talking and Mary 30 seconds ago about how God has shown me who my wife will be. And I just have to wait. And we were having a great conversation about her waiting as well for hers. And... I just was thinking about how neat, I just had another encounter at um, Starbucks with this lady, I think her name was Rochelle, she has a brother named Roderick, she was a black lady who overheard me talking about the word of God, and she said, preach it brother, I'm, I'm hearing you, and she came over and talked to our table, turns out she's got a brother who just went through a terrible divorce situation, and he's struggling, and... He's got too much pride and he's depending upon himself. So we had a wonderful conversation. She was blessed. Me and Mary were blessed. And now she is taking some of the cards. Another girl from Starbucks who works there overheard us, came up and asked for a couple of the cards. And then Mary asked for several of them to hand out. And I started thinking, man, I wish I would have, almost wish I would have kept track of all these little things that God does like this that are so amazing, but there's too many of them to keep up with all these little encounters I've had. I think I'll only know when we get to heaven. I'm sure that's the case for for most of us as believers. We we don't have any idea down here how much impact God has used our lives for, but um, just so encouraging. And then the other thing Mary and I had this very interesting conversation about was the fact that God uses numbers with her as well. It's the weirdest thing, and I started to open up to her about how God recently showed me pull the numbers back, talk about what he did, not how he did it, and talk about the result, not the method. And she said, oh my goodness, Michael. And she began to explain that she felt the same thing, and she's had this conversation with herself and wrestled with it, and um, just a really neat, neat conversation. So coolest things happening with the Lord. I have a desire to make a list of two habits that I do. I'm sitting here worshiping God at the top of my lungs in the car on my way to the Bible study. And I have a a thought that I want to capture two habits. I'm thinking to myself, what are two spiritual disciplines that I've put into practice that are helping me get through the dark times? And one of them is remaining in Christ's love in faith, meaning Even when nothing's going on circumstantially or experientially, 
and I'm feeling maybe he's far away or what have you, or there's not, you know, maybe I'm having a down day or whatever. I remain in his love through faith. I begin to remind myself of who I am in him and who he is to me. And I just began to literally move my mind into those places of reminding me that I am his. He is mine. I am his. He is mine. I am in he. He is in me. And I remind myself in faith. And then the other thing I do is I've developed this habit of praising God. Like I just went from not feeling so well and I started depending upon the Lord saying, God, I need you to help me tonight. And I just start praising God and thanking Him for what He's done in my life and for the promises that He's given me and for how He saved me and how He's given me knowledge and how He's increasing my wisdom and how He's bearing fruit through me. I'm just so, so thankful. So thankful. And those two habits go a long way in living as a a Christian. It is uh, 2.11 right now. Actually, it's 2.12 now. That's so wonderful. As I'm just looking here to start making this recording, it changed to 2.12. And I'm actually getting ready to make a recording about my faith, part of which is Laura. Um, Wow, that's encouraging. Man, that's just so encouraging how that happens, how God allows that to happen. I'm uh, I'm deep in the woods here on my trail. And yesterday, I I remember remarking how strong I felt in my faith. I had such a... such a period of days of such strong faith. I remember even saying to my mom just yesterday when my mom has come now several times and tried to remind me, you know, you've only got four weeks left and, you know, what about those kids? And she's done this twice now in the last two days, trying to get my eyes on the circumstances and to be thinking about the fearful thoughts that she's thinking about when I'm committed to fully focusing on God. So for the last couple of days, I've had just amazingly strong faith. My faith has been so strong, so courageous. Even today, I've just been feeling wonderful. Uh, But then, of course, I had a thought about, man, it's only four weeks. It's less than, it's probably about four weeks till it's time for me to get the kids, and I don't have any money. I don't know where I'm going to be living. I'm supposed to be trying to move out around the time I'm supposed to be getting my kids. So these are two seemingly extraordinarily difficult circumstances. I'm supposed to go move out, and get my kids not knowing where I'm going to take them and not having any money or idea about how and when I'm going to be able to go pick them up. And I'm at the same, I now have two strikes, Christmas and spring break I missed, held up to the last minute, waiting and praying for God to provide resources and God just continued to tell me, sit still and wait. My parents wanted to go get them and God told me, sit still. And so I have. I've obeyed what I believe has been my father telling me to sit still. Again, my, my MO has always been I would rather be wrong in my decision thinking that I'm actually being obedient to God than to uh, make, take matters into my own hand, solve the problem, and miss waiting for God. In other words, being disobedient. I would rather make a mistake trusting God than to just say, oh, I can make this happen, or, you know, clearly God's not coming through for me. I just need to make this happen in my own strength or using other people's help to do this. So I put my eyes on those circumstances, and all of a sudden I started feeling the fear of, okay, we got a month. And so I went from going, wow, how did this happen? Yesterday in the couple, last couple of days, I've had this unbelievably strong faith, but then it's like I'm reminded of the circumstances, I'm learning so much about how faith works and about the attacks of the enemy, about the uh, desires and weaknesses of the flesh, um, how the world sees uh, faith as being foolish and stupidity. And so I came out and I'm like, all right, well, what do I do? I know I need to strengthen my faith at that point, that I feel myself getting weak, so I decided to come out to the trail. Incidentally, uh, the Lord called me out here yesterday, and I felt like, wow, Lord, do I really need to come out today? Oh, there's deer running right up, a bunch of them running right up. I mean, a bunch. Let's see, one, two. Yeah, I see them looking. One, two, three, big ones. Hi, Mr. Deer. Anyhow, um, I found myself, there they go again. I found myself putting my eyes on my circumstances, and you start to... Oh gosh, what am I going to do? What happens if God doesn't come through for me? What else is going to be? What am I going to say to the kids again? You know, how am I going to come up with the resources? Oh no, now my, 
my enemy, my ex-wife is really going to have evidence that I'm a complete loser and I'm not even taking care of my kids. And all of a sudden, just in a matter of minutes, you can have all these thoughts like missiles just landing on you. And before you know it, they now have total focus of your life. Total focus of your brain is all on those circumstances, the fear. It takes over. And before you know it, you can be completely out of faith. So recognizing this, I said, man, I've got to strengthen my faith. I'm learning to not stay in that place long, to get my eyes back on God immediately. It, you know, one of the things I'm learning as I'm learning how to literally walk out my faith and, and learn to live in faith and what faith really looks like minute by minute, day by day, you know, practically. I'm learning there are so many times in the past where you say to yourself as you're learning to walk in faith rather than your whole life you've walked in self-sufficiency, if it's to be, it's up to me. During that transition period, many times you find yourself saying, but, but if I don't take care of this, who will? I mean, I understand the idea of hoping God will come through, but I need to have a backup plan in case he can't. So you have to go through this process of learning to let go of control of your life. And it, it takes a long time to learn how to live dependent upon God, trusting in him fully for the results and for guidance, letting him know, you know, him letting you know what part is your part, what part is him, what does he expect of you. It's difficult to transition to that kind of living from well, I got, what do I got to do today? Well, I need, I need to, I got these bills coming. I got this project I want to have done. I got this situation in this relationship. I got this need. I got this uh, problem that's brewing. I have this thing I'm feeling anxious. And you begin to work out of your own strength. You begin to focus on just getting them done. And I can see how it's like the plate spinning, a spiritual plate spinning that never stops. I can see how the enemy of God must love this approach to our, to our life. Because it prevents us from even having time to have a relationship with God. We're so focused on trying to make life work because we really do believe if it's to be, it's up to me. And so it does take an understanding of God's ways. That's really what I'm seeing is that it takes a, it takes a good understanding of God's ways in order to learn how to walk by faith. Because until you start to trust Him, all you know is your ways, the world's ways, and as my mom remarks, society's ways. You know, it looks like society says this, Michael says this. It doesn't look like he's living according to society. And the truth is, you don't. You don't. And, and I'm learning, you know, waiting upon God, I'm busy as I've ever been. So it's not like I'm sitting around twiddling my thumbs. I'm doing the work that God has asked me to do while I wait for Him to deliver me in these things. I'm busy doing the videos and helping people and doing my Bible study and, you know, just constantly trying to improve. I'm, I'm trying to uh, work on my, um, work on memorizing the scriptures more that he's asking me to memorize. So just talking about this and coming out and what I've done is I've been listening to a Charles Stanley program that I have run to multiple times called When Our Faith Wavers, part one, two, and three. It's a radio program he did. It's so encouraging to me. And I've been using that when I get really down to do that. I also have found myself going to these sheets, these promise pages I've made of waiting upon the Lord, trusting the Lord, and depending upon God, not yourself. I've been able to, even as Charles Stanley says, meditate on God's Word in those areas where you need help. Use the Word of God. Depend upon it. And I find myself, as I meditate on God's Word, strengthened. But I also find reluctant, reluctance to do so. Oh, it takes time to actually sit down. Oh, I have to go get the piece of paper. Oh, I got to stop being productive and sit down before God's word in my flesh. And I think probably um, motivation from the enemy. He's probably sending messages to say, I don't do that. You don't need to do that. You know, because he knows he needs to get you weak. And even just talking about it today, I'm feeling back, filled with strength. So I was only weak for just a few moments. And I, I did something about it. I ran to the Father and said, Lord, I'm feeling weak. I need you to strengthen me, God. And I ran to his word. I, I renewed my mind with a message. And now I'm uh, trying to l capture as much of what I'm learning as I possibly can so that I can help my children and I can help uh, other people that God is calling me to, to help. Another point I wanted to make uh, in this is the idea of how God sees us wrestling in faith. Charles Stanley talks about the importance of not wavering in our faith 
and and how by by not trusting God and shrinking back can lead to dramatic horrific consequences and he talks about numbers 13 and 14 where the Israelites no longer believed God even though even though they saw him miraculously part the Red Sea they didn't believe that God could f- successfully deliver them into the promised land protecting them against the giants in the land they God sees this as wickedness and there was a tremendous consequence they ended up dying in the land without seeing the promised land, those that, that denied. So he talks about how dangerous that is, but he also says, understand this, that there are times when God, by his grace and his mercy, will bypass our wavering faith. He doesn't overlook it, but he bypasses it. And he says, when God looks down and sees us genuinely struggling to believe him for something, God, in order to have his will done, will bypass our unbelief or our wavering faith and work through that. And he gave an example of a time that God asked him to, to raise $3 million or that God would bring $3 million for the, for the building, church building. He had to put his whole reputation and the church and his job and people at stake, at risk, in order to believe God to provide it without them having to borrow any money. And it came down to three days left to come up with the $3 million and... He talks about how the times he would waver in his faith saying, God, I can be on my knees and be confident about this, but when I stand before the people, I say, Lord, I don't see it. And God says, you don't have to see it. I can see it. You trust me. Within three days, they had all the money. But he was talking about how his faith began to waver. But it was one of the biggest challenges that he'd ever had. And I had this, this, this uh, an understanding, a revelation of that for this time. He was sharing it maybe about the fifth or sixth time I've heard this message, I understood what he meant and that I have felt guilty sometimes going, oh Lord, but I'm being double-minded. I'm, I'm doubting. I, when I see the, the Israelites, they didn't even want to try to obey God. They put their eyes fully on the circumstances and said, nope, it can't be done. There's giants in the land. They'll kill us. They didn't even say, oh God, you know, all right, let's move. And oh Lord, will you, you know, they weren't struggling with it. Whereas I see myself, and what Charles Stanley's talking about, struggling to, to trust God. That when I, when I have moments of doubt, I try to quickly run back to faith in God and rebuild my faith back up. It takes an, it's an effort. It's, it's called a fight for a reason. And that also brings me to another point I wanted to make, and that is that I was thinking about where Paul says, For we do not struggle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual forces in the heavenly realm. The key point, there's a struggle. He says we do not struggle against. He doesn't say we don't struggle. It is a struggle. There are spiritual forces at work. I'm, there could even be you know, demons following me, listening to me right now, trying to always study me and find out where I'm weak and whisper thoughts into my head you know, and get me to, to, to believe things. And I have to choose. Am I going to believe those lies? In my fear, or am I going to put my eyes on the God of the universe who's made promises to me? And God has made promises to me. He Just today, this morning, I woke up, looked at my clock. It's 5.55. That's God's promise to deliver me. Shortly thereafter, while I was working on some videos, I see 919. That's stay put. I haven't seen it in a while. God knows in advance that I'm going to begin to stumble in my faith or struggle and wonder, oh God, am I, am I supposed to still be sitting still? I mean, do I need to... And those feelings of panic are not from God. Those feelings of anxiety are not from God. They are from our flesh. They are from spirits of fear. They are not from God. And we have to learn to recognize that. I'm learning through constant use to distinguish between good and evil, between my thoughts out of fear, God's thoughts out of His Spirit, the enemy's thoughts. I'm slowly learning this. And this is absolutely exciting. It's not always fun. But man, it's exciting to trust God. I mean, and to know that, you know, I could be on the verge. Not I could be. I am on the verge of a major breakthrough. I totally believe that I am so close to God dramatically changing my life and turning the faucet of His resources on in my life such that a year from now or whenever God wants to do it, my life will look totally different. And what would have happened if I would have stopped? If I would have quit? 
there's been so many times that I've wanted to quit. It's been well over a year now I've been living with no money and just working my honey off trying to help encourage other people with no money to pay my child support, no money to provide myself for anything except for maybe a couple of cups of coffee here and there. And I've been totally content. I mean, I have been so content. But what if I were to quit in those moments where I'm saying, maybe, you know, maybe my mom's right. You know, you hear these voices from other people, those few seconds, you, you start to agree with them. What if I were to quit? I know, in spite of how long I've been saying on these recordings, that I know. I mean, think about that. How many times I've had to be strong in my faith and to say, no, I believe God is going to come through for me. I believe these promises. And the amazing thing is how much God has, how much energy he's put into sustaining me when I've been doubting. God has the one, has been the one to carry me. Nobody should ever, ever, ever make the mistake of listening to these recordings, especially my kids, and think that I'm the one that had this kind of faith or that I had some stronger faith that is only available to certain people. It's not true. They can't say the faith belongs to me. God has done the encouraging he has, granted, he does a different operating method with different people. He, the, 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 the method he uses to communicate and encourage are different. But the fact is, he's doing it with me. He's speaking to me clearly. He's encouraging me. And when I get down, he continues to encourage me. It has been incredible to, to see this happen. And now again, I'm coming down to a major, major obstacle. I received a letter about a week and a half ago that said I had 14 days to pay uh, 1200 and some odd dollars in child support. Um, or they could suspend my license. And God has continued to tell me to just stay put. To trust Him. To have faith. Showing me 755 multiple times saying that I will basically stand before the great assembly and declare that all of God's promises were true and not one single one of them failed. That means that Laura is going to be my wife. That means that God is going to provide an abundance of finances to take care of my children and my ministry and resources to help me move forward in this. And that God is going to deliver me from my parents' house, providing me a place to live in my own vehicle. And he's going to continue the vindication for, of me in court, making sure that, that justice is done. And he's going to take care of my, my kids, and I'm going to get to see them more. I'm really believing some amazing things are going to happen. I really believe, as I'm learning about God's ways, that God doesn't ask you to go through this kind of waiting and through this kind of suffering for no reason, or for him to just drop you at an average uh, restoration, or an average blessing, or an average redemption. I believe God is going to do something awesome. I believe God is looking for a place, a vessel, uh, to, to, to show off His power in. And I believe I'm one of those vessels that, by God's grace and help, He's helped me to position myself through a long period of waiting and character development to bless me. And man, when He does, it's going to prove everything I believe and know. It's that thing of... Um, Manasseh saying, and Manasseh knew the Lord is God. He knew it through experience, through being delivered and being restored back into his kingdom. God did a miracle. And so I'm going to finish the trail praying and thanking God and praising him. And I'm so thankful that he's helped me get out of this doubt. It's just incredible how the principles of God work.